Well, this is awkward. <laughs> halt, Sagrius. Not one step further. Come on, Meg. Haven't we had more than enough of each other by now? Besides, don't you have someplace else to be? Your father sent me. All in all, I'd rather be on your bad side than his. Now you can turn back, like a good little man, or I can send you home the painful way. What'll it be? I'll have to go with the painful way. A man after my own heart. Hello there, and welcome to PlayStation Pals, a video game podcast. This week is the actual episode 27. Not last week. I was testing you. Idiot. So <laughs> you were like, hey, it's episode 26. You passed. Congrats. There are no prizes, but <laughs> but this is the actual 27. And I am your host, Nick, and I am joined by the Zagreus to my Hades, John. John? Hmm. How you feeling? <laughs> I'm good, man. No, it's good good to be recording face to face again after yeah. a couple weeks off. Um, I would like to say it's nice to see you, but I see you quite a bit besides <laughs> recording, so I can't go that far. Aww. But uh, yeah, man, no, doing good. Um, you know, fresh off of some some interesting stuff to talk about. Got a pretty packed show today, so um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to ready to rock and roll. Sure. And before we get into it, there are two things I wanted to bring up. First thing is Spider-Man 2 gets confirmed for a fall release. Uh, This was announced via the PlayStation blog. No specifics yet, but anywhere from, I don't know, September to (laughs) December, we're gonna get Spider-Man 2, which is is exciting. I mean, we knew it was 2023 anyway, but. Yeah, I'd say this falls in the category of very exciting and not exciting at all kind of news (laughs) where it's like, of course, of course, it's fall 2023. Um, The first Spider-Man came out in September and a lot of studios like to kind of hit those same windows if they can. And just with the timing and and everything, yeah, we kind of thought it would land there. But um, to get confirmation and official word from Sony is always nice, especially since this whole rumor or whatever kind of started off with one of those, you know, typical LinkedIn posts from a developer saying that, you know, the thing is coming out in fall and so is that true is that not true it's nice to get confirmation but yeah we'll be uh i know my son's excited you know this <laughs> yeah. fall is going to be all spider-man 2 um are we talking about our wrap-ups today no 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 okay well just a spoiler a little 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 <laughs> teaser for my wrap-up last year spider-man uh remastered was number one with 220 hours uh this year spider-man still in the top three hundred some hours <laughs> thanks to my my five-year-old son so um, yeah, I think uh, people were getting worried because, you know, Sony has been silent. Like, we expected a showcase yep. already, but never got it. And, of course, you know, as we've mentioned on this show, like, the, the slate of games for next year outside of PSVR 2 is, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> Especially first party. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's like not just Sony. It's kind of across the industry, obviously, with Xbox being a no-show at the Game Awards. It's like there's not a lot of... of non-third-party news out there, but, you know, I I think it's also, in the same vein, pretty exciting, because I I have faith that Sony's going to have a good release schedule. They're very, very judicious when it comes to getting their games out in a timely, good cadence. Mm -hmm. Um, So, if anything, to me, it's just like, yeah, I think we're going to get a couple surprises still, but, you know, to know that there's at least that one huge banger, um, you know, it really doesn't get much bigger than Spider-Man 2, you know, that's in that God of War, Ragnarok, Last of Us 2, 2 range, and I would imagine this is probably gonna, I would imagine this this game will surpass 
Ragnarok has the... Well, actually, I'm going to take that back because this is going to probably be PS5 only, so it probably won't bypass the sales of Ragnarok, but it's going to sell like hotcakes. It's yeah. going to be awesome. Um, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there was no new information other than this fall window. There was no new trailer. We don't know anything more about the game. That's the info I want. I want to know, <laughs> you know, I know you're very confident this thing's going to be co-op and that you can even play as maybe even more than just Miles and Peter, but I still want that confirmation. I'm not so sure it's it's a com- confirmed, but I'd say it's very likely, but that's the, that's the confirmation that I want. Yeah, of course. And then, as you mentioned, PlayStation 2022 wrap-up is live. Uh, this was announced via the PlayStation blog. You can go and see how many hours you spend gaming, uh, what's your top game, how many trophies you earned, uh, a lot of fun little stats that, you know, when they're laid out in front of you that you've played over 600 hours of video games, it's a little you'll be a little taken aback. <laughs> Rookie numbers, Nick. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, and if you're listening... I would love to see some of your stats. Like, I would love yeah. to see the, the card that they provide and uh, how many hours uh, people have uh, put into certain games. That's uh, that's a good idea, Nick. Yeah, please, you know, Mark, I know hopefully you're still listening. Um, <laughs> you know, any of my, my buddies out there, yeah, just send us a, a snapshot if you can to, to the email address, playstationpalspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and we can either discuss, you know, just, just to let us know what you guys are playing. It's, it's always fun to know what the community is doing, so... Uh, because uh, on episode 29 in our game of the year wrap up, or you know, just game everything wrap up, 2022 20, wrap up, up uh, we will be talking about ours and we would love to read yours out loud on the show. So for episode 29, if you want your stats to be out there, you know, send them in. We'll yeah. happily read them. We'll happily judge your five games and judge <laughs> you as a person. Happily do that. <laughs> yeah, and learn more about our audience is always cool. So. Right. And, and and full warning, spoilers again, my list will be much more embarrassing than yours, so <laughs> don't don't feel too bad. <laughs> also, I have one thing before we can go on, Nick. Oh, no. Yep. No. Yeah, you can, you're not going to get away from this. I need to know, Nick, what is the best show of 2022? I know this isn't PlayStation related, but you cannot escape this. <laughs> At work, we had the entire team say what their favorite show of the year was, and Nick won't do it. Because my favorite show is Better Call Saul. Another guy on our team, his favorite show is Andor. I don't think Nick can decide, but he's about to right now, or this podcast is ending right now. Oh, John! Our friendship will our friendship will be will be stronger than ever. Just I want to know. I just have to know. You can't. He put the news down just so you guys know. That's what he. No, someone wrote that for me. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, here's the deal. I like to be surprised. I like when, you know, and same with video games. I like to be surprised having those control games come out. You know, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. You know, those games that you're not Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy last year. Uh, you know, those games come out and just be like, oh, 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 wow. This is this is actually really cool. And tease a game we'll be talking about next week. Neon White was definitely going to be one of those. So Better Call Saul was the known quantity. Mm-hmm. We knew Vince Gilligan was gonna nail the ending, and he did. That show was incredible overall. Um, but Andor is a happy <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so it is Andor nice. is my TV show of the year. Very good, okay, All right. we can move on now. That's I had to, I had to do it. Okay, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, so now we can move into the format of the show. This is how it works. 
We each bring three things to talk about. It can be a video game we're playing, it can be a news item, a topic, an email to PlayStationPalsPod at gmail.com or a Twitter DM at PSPalsPod. Any of those things, we bring it, we talk about it, and that's it. So, to start things off, John? Yes. We, it's that time of year again, I, or month. I know, I feel like I use that same exact joke every time. It's not even a joke, it's just a statement, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, another one of these. Now that we get two of these every single month, you know, it's a pretty popular news item. But we did get the PlayStation Extra and PlayStation Premium games for the month of December. So again, this is the second and third tier, um, not for the people who are just those standard subscribers. So just going to go over everything uh, and then get our thoughts, and we will move on, but... The, uh, the game that they decided to put front and center, not very exciting in my world, but you know if you're into these games, it might be for you, but we got WWE 2K22 coming, uh, and that is from developer Visual Concepts, um, and this was a game that was released this uh, past March, so you know the newest version of these games, um, and it did receive a 77 Open Critic score, which might not sound you know like it's going to blow your hair back, but... An important thing to note with this game is they actually skipped the 2K21 version because 2K20 was so bad, it actually got a 40 <laughs> on Metacritic. It was just broken. I don't know if you remember when that game came out. There was a lot of no. like gifts and bullshit, like really funny, uh, uh, buggy, glitchy messes that were on the internet. But wow. so it seems like they, you know, righted the ship, returned to form. So if you're into the wrestling games, that is one for you. Weird asterisk though with the game is that this one will not be available until January 3rd for whatever reason so hmm. you're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for that one um, and then seemingly kind of going with what or you know it seems like this is kind of Sony's strategy at least thus far with the extra tier is they like to throw large franchises into it so it seems like we're getting uh, the Far Cry franchise or at least a good portion of it uh, into the uh, tiers this week or this month uh, starting with Far Cry 5 uh, March 2018 game from Ubisoft Montreal received the 82 Metacritic um, you know, if you've played Far Cry, you know what you're getting into. This wasn't really my favorite one. I think the thing that people always kind of like determines if it, they like it or not is the setting. I just wasn't really into the American setting all that, all that much, but still available for you uh, if you would like. And then we have a pair of Far Cry spinoffs. Usually when they release a main mainline Far Cry game, they follow it up with like a smaller $40 title. So we got uh, Far Cry Primal, which was February 2016, uh, Metacritic score of 77, and Far Cry New Dawn, uh, February 19, or sorry, February 2019. Again, both of these from Ubisoft Montreal, and that one got a 73 Metacritic score. So I wouldn't read too much into the scores, though. Again, if you find these games fun, if you want to just kind of have a mindless open-world romp, uh, great games for you. Uh, and then we also are getting uh, Souls-like Mortal Shell, which is from developer Cold Symmetry. Uh, came out in August 2020. Um, I never played this game. You know, I'm a big Souls fan, but I've heard this is amongst the top-tier Souls clones out there. You know, there's a lot of those those uh, Lords of the Fallen, um, Life's a Pie, that game, that Pinocchio game that's coming out. A lot of, a lot of, you know, knockoffs out there. But I've heard this one's actually pretty good. Uh, so Mortal Shell, 76 um, Metacritic score from Cold Symmetry, and then we got some actually pretty, pretty big games coming out. They're all a little bit older, so I'm not, I'm not personally that stoked, but about them. But they are objectively good games. So we're getting Judgment, which is the Ryu Ga Godoku game uh, from Sega, uh, developers of the Yakuza franchise. Uh, this was more their detective 
realistic, I think, style game. It's very much like Yakuza. You're, you're going around, um, you know, a small intimate map with lots of density there, but you're kind of more, I think it's a little more serious, a lot less zany and crazy like Yakuza can get. Um, that game received an 83, so that one was pretty well received, and there's a sequel out there for, for those who, you know, might want to get more of that, that world if they, if they do dig it. Uh, and then additionally, uh, we did already get this game on PlayStation Essential, so, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of people, are, I don't imagine we'll get much out of this one, but it's there. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Nick played it. Nick beat it. He enjoyed it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so if you're into, into the Yakuza series, definitely check it out. And, you know, it's also kind of to note that this is the direction of the series moving forward. I believe they're even... Uh, changing the name of Yakuza to just like a dragon. So, um, you know, this is kind of maybe like the jumping point for the series going forward, uh, besides the weird spin-offs like they're doing with um, like a dragon Ishin, you know, that uh, medieval J Japanese game or Japan game that's coming out from them. But uh, we're additionally getting Yakuza 6, Let The Song of Life, again from Ryu Ga Godoku. Came out April 2018. This got an 85 on Metacritic. Um, so, you know, Yakuza is a series of, of high quality. They don't miss. Again, you know what you're getting. Uh, and then we got some older games, but, um, you know, very big, very big um, franchise that these come from. We got the Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War from Monolith Productions. Uh, came out in September 2014 and October 2017, respectively. 85 and 82 uh, Metacritic scores. So, you know, it's um, if you like Lord of the Rings, if you like open world games, it's, it, you have no reason not to play this game. And it also includes one of the coolest uh, systems, I think, that was introduced in that entire generation, uh, which is the Nemesis system, which shockingly hasn't been really replica replicated from other people, where you have these enemies in the game that kind of remember you, that remember if you killed them, if they killed you, and they kind of taunt you, and it just makes a little extra layer to it. Uh, and then I'm just going to rattle some off, Nick. There's there's a couple more games, but we don't want to spend too much time with these. Uh, the Pedestrian from Skookum Arts came out in January 2020. Uh, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle game with a really cool aesthetic. Check it out if you're into puzzle stuff. Uh, Evil Genius 2 from Rebellion Games. This is an RTS sim game. Came out March 2021. It was a Game of Game Awards nominee for best uh, sim game. So if you're into those, something to look at. Uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, this is the highest rated game of the whole bunch. It's a, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with Divinity Original Sin or those CRPG kind of games, it's going to be that high customizable experience, lots and lots of choice, lots and lots to explore and do, but it is a computer role-playing game, um, so kind of know that going in. And then lastly, Adventure Time Pirates of Enchiridion. I don't really know how to say that. Uh, ben 10 Power Trip, Worms, WMD, and The Escapist 2. Just some smaller indie games. Not going to really jump into those uh, too in-depth because they're honestly probably not for this audience. Um, and then lastly here, Nick, we did get a uh, four PlayStation Premium games. We got Ridge Racer 2 coming from PSP, Heavenly Sword coming from PS3, Oddworld Abe's Exodus from PS3 and Pinball Heroes. I didn't even bother to write the system down because who wants to play Pinball Heroes? PSP, PSP thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nick, what, any, what are your thoughts after this list? What do you think? Did you play Heavenly Sword? Uh, I did. I didn't beat it and I didn't... I think it was like, I think it was probably at the tail end of the rental days. Okay. Where I might have just... I, I, I <laughs> actually... The PS3 was like the really the first huge purchase I ever bought with my own money. So I got it at the very end of 20, 
2007. And so I don't know if blockbusters are around there, but I think I blew all my cash to get the system. So I was just went like, I, I, I can't buy another <laughs> game, but I you know, ran to blockbuster and begged my parents. So. But yeah, I think I played a little bit of it. Okay. There's nothing memorable really about it other than Andy Serkis plays the villain in that game. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the thing I've heard about Heavenly Sword is it was just kind of... It, it just didn't come out at the right time. It, it was kind of in between, you know, when like God of, it was trying to be like God of War, right? It's, that's kind of yeah. like the type of game it is. And it just didn't really move the needle far enough. If it had waited until like the PS4 was really hot and heavy, I think it probably would have been another potential franchise for Sony. But I've heard it's good. And I just, at this point, are you really want to want to go back and play? No, 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 no. It was not like again. This was like early PS3. I mean, we're talking. It was like 2006 I don't even or know. If the, I don't even know if the store was live when this <laughs> when this game came out, and definitely trophies weren't a thing. 2007. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I just I was just curious if you had played yeah. that one because that was a yeah, quote unquote Sony exclusive at the time. It really is just female Kratos. <laughs> it's like when you kind of look at her, you know, big stoic expression on her face. Doesn't have time for anybody's shit. Um, but other than that, yeah, obviously my thoughts on Yakuza Like a Dragon are out there. Yep. So I ended up beating it and loving the game uh, earlier this year. Um, and then the other one I wanted to highlight is those Middle Earth games. Uh, Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor. Uh, just great games. They took the Batman Arkham Asylum systems, you know, the, the free flow combat, uh, the stealth mechanics, and put it into Lord of the Rings, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. They're really fun games to play. Um, Shadow of War, with the sequel, was kind of plagued with live service aspects to it. It had a store, and it for the and that ruined the game a lot. I heard the end game was fucked. Yeah, like yeah. because of it. <laughs> yeah, so so that game definitely it, they it's gone now. I'm curious as to what the experience would be like playing it, but the, but all the mechanics are still there, and it's still a great game. So uh, those are my highlights out of these. Sure. No, that's good. That's good. And not not really a lot for me. I, I like Far Cry, but I have Far Cry Six if I'm going to play any of them, and so. Yes, honestly, I kind of appreciate it because I have plenty, plenty of games to get through. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so there you go, guys. You know, make sure you add them. Um, well, actually, you don't add these ones. They just stay in the service. But, you know, make sure you check them out. Yep. It's a slow month. So, yeah, definitely check them out. All right. So moving on, we kind of teased about this last week as on December 8th, the same day as the Game Awards, uh, the FTC ended up suing Microsoft over its Activision Blizzard purchase, effectively stopping it. (laughs) And as we mentioned on the show before, Microsoft is trying to buy Activision Blizzard for close to $70 billion, uh, (laughs) trying to shore up their uh, Game Pass with uh, the uh, Overwatches and Diablo 4s and Call of Duties. and as we mentioned, Sony doesn't like this at one bit. <laughs> no. Why would they? Because <laughs> they make a lot of money off all those games. But this is kind of this has been an interesting development that this has happened because a a lot of people said it wasn't going to happen that you know this was just going to be go through and by January Activision Blizzard will be a Microsoft uh, owned uh, publisher. But here they are, they, they blocked them, and for a very interesting reason, um, and I'm gonna read right from their complaint here. It goes, Microsoft's past conduct provides a preview of the combined firm's likely plans if it consummates the proposed acquisition, despite any assurances the company may offer regarding its plans. In March 2021, Microsoft acquired ZeniMax Media, 
the parent company of the well-known game developer and publisher Bethesda Softworks. Microsoft assured the European Commission during its antitrust review of the ZeniMax purchase that Microsoft would not have the incentive to withhold ZeniMax titles from rival consoles. But shortly after the European Commission cleared the transaction, Microsoft made public its decision to make several of the newly acquired ZeniMax titles, including Starfield, Redfall, and Elder Scrolls VI Microsoft exclusives. So the basis of their argument is, hey, when you guys complete this, you're just going to gobble this up, become a big super publisher, and then you're just going to be like, eh, these games aren't on Sony or Nintendo yeah, what are you anymore. About? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to play those, you got to get a Microsoft console and you have to subscribe to Game Pass. And that's just that. Um, which we all knew. Like, that's exactly how it was going to play out. You know, we'll, there'll, there'll be some deals here and there to keep titles for a little longer on other consoles. But they all were going to go to yeah. <laughs> Microsoft. That's why you do so. it. So that's a lot there. John, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> oh, I have, I have so many thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I find, first and foremost, I do find it very interesting that, like, it seems like the, yeah, the main complaint has nothing to do with monopolistic tendencies or, <laughs> you know, becoming too large of a corporation. It's just like, yo, you lied to us in the past. We don't trust you, so we're going to take this to court. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that that's the main reason, but yeah, it's just... You know, I'm 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 happy that this is getting pushed back. Not because I want Sony to beat Microsoft or anything like that. I just I am one of those people that I don't like this future we live in, where big companies are buying bigger companies are buying big companies to just be you know Disney buying Fox and and Microsoft wanting to buy Activision Blizzard. Like we don't <laughs> we don't want this to happen, people. And if you think if you if you're a Microsoft fan out there and you want this to happen, I would really really think about the situation because you know to put this in maybe some aspects that the the layman can understand and by all means I am the definition of a layman in this so you know I'm kind of just going off the cuff here but I did hear an interesting take on this and, and it made me think you know the reason that Amazon was able to be so successful and get as large as they were is because they were able to withstand losses more than the mom and pop stores would. So let's say down the street you got mom and pop are selling something for for six bucks. Amazon can come in and they can sell it for five bucks, and they're gonna they're gonna sell it for five bucks at a loss because what they're trying to do is squeeze out the competition. They can take loss after loss after loss after loss. Meanwhile, mom and pop can't. They gotta shutter their stores. Once they shutter their stores, Amazon goes, okay, cool. Now we can bump the price because we got the market share we needed. I kind of view this the exact same way, where it's Microsoft, because they are such a large corporation, because they have so much money, they can take loss after loss after loss from Game Pass, you know, maybe not bringing them in money or whatever the case, uh, where maybe a smaller company, and I know it's funny to call Sony a small company, but in this, when you're comparing these two, they are much smaller. You know, to the point where they're saying like, okay, we'll just take these losses because if we can get Call of Duty, even if it, even if we're going to give it to you for 10 years, that 11th year, we're going to start eating a little way, eating a little way at the market share and not giving consumers a choice on where they want to play. Um, you know, and it's just, there's never been a precedent for this. There's never been a purchase so large to know how it will truly affect not just video games, but the economy. And that's what these bodies are in, in their positions for. The FTC... It doesn't care about video games. It cares about the economy. And if there's these companies that can just come in here and basically fuck with the economics of the situation to their advantage, they're going to call them on it. 
Um, and so, yeah, listening to Microsoft talk about it, you know, they mentioned that they reached a deal with Nintendo and Steam to bring Call of Duty there for 10 years. And, oh, if Nintendo will take it, what, what the fuck, Sony? And it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's just smoke and mirrors, I think, because if you literally, if you think about that, that, that statement, well, just the Nintendo Steam thing. The last Call of Duty game on Nintendo was 2013's Ghost. They haven't needed Call of Duty for 10 fucking years. And from what I've heard, it was a, it was a financial flop on the Wii U, which is why they stopped selling it. This is just, in my opinion, an attempt from Microsoft PR and Phil Spencer and the like to win the public perception battle, make them seem like they're the good guys. We want everybody to play Call of Duty. It was like, do you think a Switch can run Call of Duty? Look at a screenshot of Fortnite on a Switch versus Fortnite on a PS5 and tell me that you want to play Call of Duty on a Switch. And there might be a Switch 2 in the in the future. That could be. But it's just these consistent takes and from the PR and, and, and Phil Spencer that just, they kind of get to me. Like, here's another one. Phil Spencer was on a podcast uh, recently and he says, from where we sit, it's clear that Sony is spending more time with regulators than they are with us to try and get this deal done. Yeah, of, of course they are. Why would they want you to get this deal done? It just makes no sense. Like, So it just seems like, oh, well, just trying to take a little shot after a little shot of like, Sony's the bad guy, Sony's the bad guy, we're fine. But if you really analyze why, why they're doing this is because this has always been Microsoft's MO. Before Xbox was even a thing, Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo. It didn't work. So what did they do? Okay, we'll make our own. And then they stole Halo from Apple with money. Of course, they bought it. They didn't just take it. But they had to purchase this huge IP to make this viable. And then they buy all these other studios. Um, you know, in the future, right? We're going to buy Bethesda because, you know, we need to have more teams. We can't really curate it from inside. Now we're going to buy Activision Blizzard because we have 23 studios. And again, we don't know how to curate them from inside. We released no games this year and we have nothing to announce. And it's just, I'm getting a little sick of it because on the other side, you got Sony who goes, no, we've worked really hard for the past 30 years to build these relationships with these, with these teams, find studios and developers that fit our culture, fit our playstyle, fit our consumers. And we've earned the position that we're in in the market. We earned being number one because we make great games, not for any other reason, despite what other people might say. You know, Phil Spencer, I, I believe it was him. It might have might have been, I think his name is Brad Smith. He's like the president of Microsoft or something like that. I'm sorry for not having the specifics, but he said something along the lines of, Sony's strategy for growth is to make Xbox smaller. And again, that's just not true. <laughs> that has no basis of anything. You're just going out here and saying what you want because there's lots of people out there who are not going to fact check anything or, or, you know, look into it that much. But Sony's strategy is not to make Xbox smaller. Sony's strategy is to make great games, make God of War Ragnaroks, get up on that fucking game awards stage and accept awards. And Microsoft doesn't know how to combat that. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> wow. John, you've had some some rants on this on this podcast, but uh, that was a good one. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I think I take a drink. <laughs> you were you were full of fire on this, <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm 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 with you. I just you know we've talked. We really if this does go through, we're not we don't really care. Yep. You know because because you know these studios haven't been doing so well anyway. So <laughs> right, and these franchises are all pretty much on the downturn, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting that this is their strategy is just to yeah take over as much as possible, and uh, and and put it on Game Pass, and then eventually they're just gonna just like all these other streaming services, they're gonna jack up the price of Game Pass, and then everyone's yep. not gonna be happy about it. Yep. And, but 
And yeah, if you want to play any of these franchises, Call of Duty or anything else, you're going to have to pay for Game Pass. And yeah, it's uh, it doesn't look like a great future. And I know Sony's doing the same thing, but... That's that's an important note. It's, you know, Sony is not a good guy in this situation either. In, in fact, you know... It, this is just my personal belief. I don't think any corporations are good guys. They don't have the best interest for us. They're they're interested in, in, you know, making money for their shareholders. So, you know, is Sony, you know, being difficult just to be difficult? Sure, they're being, you know, maybe it would be best just to let everybody do everything and we have a laissez-faire market and all that stuff. But I just, I don't like... It almost feels like a schoolyard bully situation where you just have this bigger kid that's just pushing this other kid around because they because they can because they have more muscles or they're bigger bone structure. But <laughs> but you know, and I will I'll just I'll just end it with this because I don't want to keep going on. But I I've, I heard a pretty I, I like this analogy from another content creator I was listening to. He says you know basically Microsoft is you know so Microsoft wants to hold the gun. They say they're not going to use the gun. But are we sure of that? Do they, are we comfortable to let them hold it? Or, you know, do we say, no, 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 like, you know, we don't really trust you at the end of this? Because I have heard another argument as well, though, too, that's like Activision wants to be bought. They've come out and said it. They want to be purchased. Mm -hmm. How many companies can buy them? Microsoft? And I think there's really only one other company that can do it. And that's probably, unfortunately, Tencent, which is, you know, the Chinese company that's an arm of the, Honestly, they're an arm of the government there because that's just how China operates. And so, would I rather see Microsoft purchase them than Tencent? Sure, but I just don't. I, I want to stop this insanity with purchasing <laughs> mergers and acquisitions, man. It's just we don't need bigger and bigger corporations. Sure, sure, you know? sure. So, and it, it is just funny. It's like they're like, oh, well, you lied to us about Zenimax. <laughs> yeah. Like, how is this was the plan all along? Like, every time. They buy, you know, and same thing with Sony. When they bought Insomniac, you knew, like, there was never going to be an Insomniac game on Xbox right. going forward. And that's just kind of how it works. But it's, I just love the idea that they're like, oh. I know. <laughs> like, I could have called you when it was announced that that we Bethesda titles were gone. Like, that's right. just it, you know? Um but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I know I've, I've heard, you know, with this one, some people say it's a little different just because for 69 and change billions dollars for the economics to work, they really can't get rid of Sony because they've said the most people play on Sony. So, like, to make it a financially viable purchase, you almost need the players there. But again, kind of back to what I said before, like Microsoft is worth tr more than a trillion dollars. Like they can take hits if they need to. Right. Um, right. But one, fun, one, one thing that I heard today too, sorry, I keep saying one more thing. Uh, <laughs> if this deal does not go through for any reason, Microsoft has to pay Activision $3 billion. There's a, there's a $3 billion kill fee in the contract, which just to put it in perspective is about the cost of 15 AAA games. So Microsoft wants this deal to go through for many reasons, but that's also just, I'm sure, a part of it. But um, yeah, so folks strap in because this is gonna be a new story for probably at least throughout the all of 2023, I would bet. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a lot. I mean, we're definitely, don't, I don't plan on bringing every little. No hiccup in God, here no. but this this was so big and uh, yeah we couldn't talk about it last week because of the game awards but i did i definitely wanted to quickly touch on it but uh yeah it is definitely something <laughs> the to day watch of the game awards he gets sued <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, oh, like i said man. it was like both black eyes it was like no games at the game awards and then this happened like <laughs> no games no <laughs> nominees no anything yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
Um, right. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, but uh, sure. we can move on. Sure. All right. All right, guys. We're getting close. <laughs> Actually, I think we timed this out perfectly so that the final episode of the year should be the championship. But with the PlayStation Palace Franchise Madness, we got to wrap up the Elite Eight, set the final four in motion, and then get this thing going. So... For those who have a very good memory, you might remember what games are still uh, to be determined. But, Nick, this week, we got uh, maybe the maybe the most, most important series to PlayStation, especially where they are today. Uh, that's Uncharted. You know, that's really the, the series that kind of ushered in the third-person narrative adventure-style game that Sony's renowned for today. And, you know, those are all fantastic games. And they're playing our little cute. We just got him for an avatar, man. He's a little, little, little Kratos Atreus guy, uh, but you know, cute as hell because he's Astrobot. So we got Uncharted taking on tiny little Astrobot. What, what are our thoughts? Uh, David not, versus Goliath. Yeah, it's not fair. That was gonna be my first line because yeah, Uncharted defined the PS3 for sure with one through three. And then, you know, wrapping up with uh, Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy, both excellent games on PS4. And poor Astro is just, for me personally, is just Astro's Playroom, which, again, is one of our favorite games on PlayStation 5. But I just don't think, unless unless you you are going to fight for Astro, I just do not see it removing Uncharted. I I I was getting ready to fight, but when you said that for you, Astro is only Astro's playroom. I don't know how I could. I don't know how I could convince you that that's because like I got Astrobot VR too, and that's probably my favorite game on VR. One of my favorite games. Uh, I think I believe it was 2018, whatever year that came out. Incredible game, you know. And, and also being on VR, it just provided an experience that I've never had before, and so it really, really sticks to me. I think, you know, we've talked we talked about Astro's playroom. I feel like on every podcast for the last four weeks, but. <laughs> that that's all it's a perfect game for what it is but <laughs> in the spirit of of the the you know the reason to move on in this is uncharted is just every bit as good as astrobot but more important maybe not more important going forward astrobot could be a very important piece going forward you know if they want to stay in the family friendly space you know but i got yeah i got yeah. i got a question for you okay what would you be more excited about an Uncharted 5 announcement or a sequel to Astrobot VR? <laughs> Astrobot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Solely because, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, as, you know, Nick and I are in our 30s and we've been playing games for a long, long time, you know, all of our lives. And so I feel like I am reaching a point in my gaming career, yeah, my career is silly, uh, <laughs> that the same things are good but they never get me to the same highs like something like an Undertale or like Astro's VR did. So like I think it's just I would just be a little more excited because that initial experience I had with it was so strong where I think of Uncharted I'm like yeah it's it's all so strong as well but it's spread out over 85 hours and like you know what's what's it going to do differently besides it's going to look gorgeous of course but I, I think just from a, like a, having a fun with a video game, Astro Bot's just pure joy, man. Pure joy. I definitely agree with you there. I just, Uncharted 4 was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love Lost Legacy a lot. Um, maybe if it was one through three versus just 
<laughs> Astro, I might be swayed. Oh, man, that's where I'd be more strong with probably Uncharted, I think. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, it's hard, though, because one kind of me, but two and three are so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. All right. I, I, it's Astro's great, and if we ever have to revisit this, because I'm sure we're getting a, a Astro sequel very short, soon to be announced yep. next year, for sure, um, that will maybe change our minds. But for now, it is Uncharted. All right, Nathan Drake reaching the final four as you would probably expect. <laughs> okay, now we actually have another pretty tough one. Um, probably the, you know, we talked about him earlier on the show, our, our web-slinging friend, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you know, can can he take down the woman who takes down robot dinosaurs? And Aloy and Horizon. <laughs> Spider-Man versus Horizon. Thoughts, go. <laughs> Uh, gosh, it's not very fair to me. <laughs> I know. Spider-Man's so legendary. Uh, a, because Insomniac is great. They're just a great developer, and they make great, just pure, fun games to play, and they continue to do so. We saw it with both the <laughs> Spider-Man games. We saw it with Ratchet and & Clank. And now, you know, the most anticipated game of next year is probably Spider-Man 2. Yep. Um and not to say anything against Horizon. Horizon is great. It is one of the prettiest games you'll ever play. Uh, it's just when I finish that game, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. I I feel like Horizon is cursed to forever be the bridesmaid and never the bride. In every regard, it's just an award show. It's like it's really good, but it's just not better than this. Or you know, or it's getting released next to Elden Ring and in Zelda. And it's just like it can never be the best. It's always like, yeah, we're right. We're close, but we're not. Yeah. It's interesting. Is it because it's like very formulaic? Like, yeah, it's like open world, like you know the Ubisoft, the Grand Theft Auto, but open world formula that has been like we've we've seen it for years and years and years. And of course, it is perfected in that game, but it is still you know that meat and potatoes game, even with its really outworldly premise of a futuristic planet. <laughs> covered in uh, robots. Futuristic slash prehistoric planet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> like, the, it's, the idea and the premise is so strong. And that first game, especially, was just, it was great. And all the twists were just phenomenal. That but, game led you here, Dick. That game, <laughs> that game got you to buy a PlayStation. Yeah, that's true. It was the very first game I played on PS4. Uh, but that being said, it's like, man, Spider-Man, the traversal. Uh, the, the fact that they have two different voice tracks in that game that still blows my mind yeah. there's a voice track for Spider-Man when he's swinging and when he's standing still when he's swinging he sounds like like he's swinging and talking and then when he's when he lands and doesn't move they switch voice tracks seamlessly like that yeah. and it's just a normal voice no wind no nothing and I, don't, yeah, and I still don't understand how Insomniac is so good at getting games out quickly like these, <laughs> these huge games they're like yeah we got right we got spider-man we got wolverine we got ratchet clank we got miles Morales. Blah. yeah how do you guys do it <laughs> um yeah I, I think your point on horizon is right and that's kind of exactly what i was just saying it's like as we get further and further into video games as a thing as a medium we are as players just consistently looking for something refreshing and i think the the perfect example of that is yeah how people feel about Horizon and how people feel about Elden Ring. On paper, they're both open world games, but one of them is doing something new and fresh. You know, argue you could argue that Breath of the Wild did it, but it's still a new way to do it. And then the other, yeah, it's it's 
number 78 of you know 78 open world games that we've ever we've played before it's perfect but yeah unless if you get a fucking killer ass story in a game like that i think horizon forbidden west is about as good as you could possibly get yeah and unfortunately like you said uh, I could just play a game where I'm swinging around New York as Spider-Man. Like, that's, that's all you need to do. Yeah. So. Again, that argument, are you, are you more excited for next year is either Burning Shores or Spider-Man yeah, 2. Well, yeah, it's it's not, not even close. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, even if yeah, even if Burning Shores was a new game, it would still be <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Yeah. All right. So, there it is. I think this is, if you asked me what games are getting to the Final Four, I think these probably would have been my four choices. So, uh, sorry for a lack of upsets, but, you know, it's it's. I think we made the right choice. We got God of War, Last of Us, Uncharted, and Spider-Man going, <laughs> going against each other for the title. Oh, wow. Look yeah. at that, Naughty Dog. Two franchises on there. Yeah, I mean, pretty It's effective. like they're someone's number one developer in yeah. this show. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. I'm going to take the next two things because we got some games to talk about. And the first one I wanted to bring up is the Forspoken demo. As we talked about last week, this was announced during the Game Awards and was live during the Game Awards. Both John and I have checked it out. And if you're not familiar with Forspoken, it is a game coming next month, January 24th. It is coming from Luminous Productions and Square Enix. Uh, You play as Frey Holland, a young woman who has been transported from New York to the fantasy world of Athia. She uses magical powers uh, to combat enemies. This is a third-person magic combat game. And uh, she's, you know, of course, she's the fish out of water. You know, it's like Evil Dead or any other movies where... (laughs) What was the... Oh, man, what was the... Was it Black Knight? (laughs) Black Knight? Uh, Green Knight? Green Knight? Was it Green Knight? No. I'm thinking of the one where... Oh, boy. I'm so bad with this actor's name. He's in Bad Boys, opposite Will Smith. Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence. Where's the movie where he's, uh, like, the, the knight? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, wow. You, no you know, well, there's a movie where he, he's a, he's the exact same thing. He's I'm like not going to say this just because I, I don't, we're all thinking, he is a black guy. <laughs> he probably is the black knight. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so when you get that title, I want to know now. <laughs> Big Mama says, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is a very similar premise. It is an absurd premise. I'm sure we're going to talk about why that is absurd as you play the game. Um, you expected me to know that movie? <laughs> oh, it is Black Knight. It yeah. is Black Knight, but it's... No, I've never even seen, heard anything. He's wearing a Jets jersey and has a sword. I just like the idea that this game is copying the premise of Black Knight. Okay. I think that's funny. All right, fair. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so it is a third-person magic combat game. Uh, It is a pretty meaty demo. It kind of gets you into an open world, kind of a giant zone. And they give you some objectives to do after a brief tutorial. And you're free to go and just do whatever you want. Um, Overall, I know John and I are not happy with this game. <laughs> uh, when it came out, as we mentioned last week, I was in Vegas mm-hmm. and I was looking at Reddit. And one of the big threads over the weekend was how to make <laughs> Forspoken play better and feel better. And it was like a giant list of all the settings you should change. Um, and yeah, I, it just seems like a game that's, boy, a month out and just a lot of bad design choices uh-huh. through and through. Uh-huh. Um, the first one is. 
when you play the game, a character is talking to you, like a, like a Mimir-like character. And was, I was like, who's talking to me? Like, there's no, like, context of who's talking. And he's very snarky. Um, there's a bunch of cheesy dialogue. I remember I picked up a consumable, and uh, he goes, consumables? And she was like, I will try not and consume them all. <laughs> and you just want to roll your eyes. And this is... While we're talking about it, I got one, too. I was laying in bed, right, resting, and then I had to get out of bed. And she goes... I do not want to get out of bed. And then the disembodied voice goes, well, you have to, so there. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, what is this dynamic? Well, it's just shitty teenager dynamic? Yeah, I don't so, want a game of that. Yeah, so, and and it's funny to later learn that there's a menu option to turn it off. <laughs> yeah. So, which is absurd. I have, so, I have heard, like, maybe a workaround for that if you, like, you want to play the game and you just can't stand it. Just put in, like, Japanese or something. Just if you can stand stand a different language, it might take away a little bit of it, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, so that choice is just bad. Like, it's just full of bad dialogue. And I know, like, as we, we just played God of War and Horizon, right. which did similar things, the writing was just... All of them much better. Well, there was a few times Atreus talking to himself were just as bad, but uh, for overall, the games were much better at it. Uh, and then w one of the worst things this game does is right after the tutorial, it, the first thing in front of you is a house. And in that house, you can upgrade your gear, you can set challenges for yourself. And this is where you're exposed to the menus of the game. Mm -hmm. And this has one of the worst menus I've seen in a long time. I don't know how these menus got through. They're weird. I think you used the term, what, fisheye? Yeah, you go into the main menu and it's got this, if you know what a fisheye lens is like, right? It's like the middle is kind of bulbous and it starts to curve on the outsides of it. So like, you're reading the, the menus and the outer edges of them are like slanted downwards and like you're kind of turning your neck and I, like it's, I. I feel like everybody who's played video games has had a moment where they feel nauseous or have a headache or something. Like, sometimes things just hit you. I legit got a headache within five seconds of looking at that menu and just... It wasn't a good first impression, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's really weird to just place it right there. Like, right in front of, like, all these decisions you have to make. Like, what kind of challenges you want. It's like, I haven't even... I've been in, like, three combat encounters where you had to explain to me how to fight. And now I'm in a place where it's like, upgrade your gear and change your gear and do all this stuff. And I'm just like, what? And, like, and that could... <laughs> you know, you could chalk that down to just, like, not thinking out the demo fully. But, like, the main thing I had a problem with with that was kind of what you just you mentioned a little bit with the one of the menus is so you have the ability in this game to kind of through combat upgrade things right very much like god of war ragnarok right if you use this move 75 times you're going to upgrade it so you can buff it in some way and this has that but you can only equip three of them at a time and you can only do that in one of these resting points in a book so you're telling me that not only can I not just use my my abilities willy-nilly and just kind of play with how I want to do it, but I have to basically go to a spot, select what I want, go out, explore, do just probably those three things, because why would I use any other ability or attack if I don't have the you know them selected, then come back and do that all over and over and over again? Just seems like a very bad design choice in, in that regard, at least. Yeah, and then that gets us to the combat, like the main focus of it and it kind of again it's a magic spell combat and there's kind of two schools at this point in the demo that you can do there's like a nature like range combat choice and then there's a close range fire uh combat choice 
And when you're on one of these, R2 is your magic. You're like, to attack like if it, so if you're combat it's like swinging a sword I think they said like offensive is offensive versus support yeah yep yep so right trigger is offensive if you hold it down you do a big spell that you can choose from if you hold hit R1 mm-hmm. and then on L2 is your support spells which you can choose from if holding L1 and it just never feels great um, you're using these combat spells and then if you want to switch because your support spells have large cooldowns, you can use a support spell, like you can make a big lava pit come out or a ring of fire. Then you have to hold L1 and bring up another menu and then choose one of these other options yeah. <laughs> and then do it all over again. And I've, by the end of the demo, like one of the support wheel had like eight to 10 spells on it. Like it was huge. And every time it's like, oh, I used the fire pit one. Oh, hold the one. Okay, now I'll go to the spell I want. Okay, no, and then I'm back into combat, and it just it just never felt great to play. Right, right. like it kept breaking up the flow because like because these L2 spells are very powerful and do a lot of damage. Um, and meanwhile, while you're doing all this, you're trying to do this, you're fighting the camera in the game, which is just yeah, just going all over the place, and just enemies are doing unpredictable moves, so they're like getting behind you, and you're like, oh, where did that enemy go? And not and. Another thing with the enemy design that I just thought of in my head is like they're very bland and then it's they, like a deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> you like fight this deer. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and they and they're just like deer. They have the same color scheme of the environment, so they like blend in really well. Like even like there's like walking undead guys or these winged flying guys, and they all just have this weird color palette that just like blends them into the environment. So there's just like like you're just confused and you're going all over the place and you're. I'm locking on enemies, then moving on to the next locked on enemy because I can't I can't focus on them any other way. Right. Um, I don't know, John. How did you feel about this combat? It's just I think it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, and I honestly didn't play a ton of it because I was so turned off by everything else <laughs> that I, I, I played a couple of cards like, nah, this is, I I'm not even going to entertain this. So, I, yeah, I thought it just felt clunky. I thought that it it was poorly designed, um, and a lot of this stuff may not be an issue when the full game comes out because they might ease it into you better. But again, like, I think it was very smart for them to put out this demo. I think that again, I mentioned it before. <laughs> there's a lot of people on the fence. I don't think it's going to work out for them that they put out this demo, <laughs> but like I think it was a smart move. But like if you if you were confident enough to put this out to like try and sway people, like I just I question this team then I question the leadership decisions because there's just a lot of things that I feel like if you get even you and I into a boardroom for an afternoon, we could have probably had some good ideas on ways to better the <laughs> systems or whatever the case. But um, no, nah, man, and, and like. We didn't even touch upon. I thought the movement felt a little like sluggish slash slippery, um, which like if you played if you've played any games, you know what I mean when I say that. It's just like you're kind of like pushing a direction. She kind of like slides into that direction, and like yeah. and again, it might all get ironed out when the full full game comes out. But like, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, it comes out in a month. Yeah, I don't. Well, like I just mean like easing into it and like oh and, yeah, like, I gotcha. Not just being thrown into the middle of the game, um, but it just. Uh, didn't do it for me and it's a shame because i feel like on paper this game is i would be all about this game i love i love spells and and cool abilities and honestly like besides just the combat and basic movement when you hold circle you do this magic parkour thing where you're just zipping all over the place jumping Mm -hmm. over rocks and trees and stuff and like that part's cool but everything else just uh just wore on me to the point where i i i i uninstalled this game 
so fast that I came back to work and Nick's like, did you play it? And I was like, not really. I should probably download this again. <laughs> and then I did it again and then I deleted it again. So, um, yeah. you know, not for me, but. It reminds me a lot of Anthem. Is like Anthem had a, like a, well, they, they called it a beta, but it was a, like a demo that came out right before the game came out. And it's the same thing, just something felt off. Mm-hmm. Like, and same with this. Something just feels off. It doesn't feel good to play. Um, so I, I, I fear that this game is, is, is going to bomb big time. And that's where I'm going to lead to my next question, John. Mm-hmm. Review prediction. <laughs> what do you think Forspoken is going to get? 78. Ooh, oh, you're going high. Yeah. That's going to be 60s for me, man. Really? Yeah, it's 67, 68. Again, uh, we'll get into Fantasy League later this next early next year. Don't pick this game. (laughs) This is not a safe pick at all. Nope. Nope. (laughs) But if you're listening and you're in that Fantasy League, maybe pick this game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Check it out. Form your own opinion. Um, but uh, yeah, it just does not feel great. Wow. And then moving on, as the wheel decreed, I am playing Kenna Bridge of Spirits. I touched a little bit on it. Uh, this is a debut game from Ember Lab. It was released on September 21st of 2021. Uh, it is currently sitting at an 81 on Open Critic. And so far, just general thoughts, is I'm enjoying it. Um, you play as Kenna, who's a spirit guide, whose job is to guide spirits into the afterlife. It is a third-person action game. It steals everything from God of War. Not that everything God of War did was originally, but a lot of the same design choices are here. Uh, the R1 light attack, the R2 heavy attack, the L1 parry, <laughs> uh, walls that have little symbols on them so you know that, hey, you should climb here. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities there that when I started playing this right after God of Fort Ragnarok, I was like, oh, no. oh, this is not good. This is not the palate cleanser I wanted. More looking around for hidden chests and hidden items in the environment. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. Uh, but it does have a difference, and the difference is the rot. So, so the, yeah, the rot are a bunch of controllable little creatures uh, similar to Pikmin or Overlord uh, in which you can kind of direct them around the environment. They can move things for you. They can turn into this like pure spirit being and clear out some of the the, the, the decay that's happening in this world. <laughs> so you can't say rot, can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, and you can collect and equip adorable hats for them. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, the big oh, mechanic man. in the game is unlocking their hats, nice. and they're great. They're it's just they're they're adorable. They're this is funny. a spoiler. I'd be okay with. I gotta look up one of these hats. <laughs> they appear in the environment. They'll appear all over the environment in cute positions, and and they're always following you around. Um, and then when it comes to combat, when you're doing those R1, R2 heavy attacks, uh, you can or using your bow in this too, L2 is a bow, uh, you can infuse your attacks with the rot for a super attack. So you can do kind of giant heavy attacks, giant bow attacks uh, with them infusing your weapons. Uh, it's, and it's very enjoyable. The This is by a former team of animators, so the animation's great, the character designs are great, the environments are beautiful. There's a lot to like here, and there's a lot, the, the main, 
the aspect of the game. John's laughing here because he's looking he's at the He's wearing pancakes hats. on his head. He's got a stack of pancakes. He's <laughs> looking at these hats. Um, that there's something satisfying about a world that's full of gross and covered up and you know decaying and then cleaning it up and making it pure, making the water red, the, the clean and all that. There's just something very satisfying of having an impact on the environment you're in. So that, you know, the first time you go through, it's like, oh, this place is places seen better times and then come doing all the side quests cleaning everything up and then going oh wow it's all nice and clean and nature i did this yeah <laughs> you're welcome yeah thank you <laughs> um uh very early on uh, one of the stories when i was playing the game is uh there was this boss fight and this really turned me off of the game is he comes out of three different holes uh and if you go and he, he indicates which hole he's coming out because it glows red uh, if you, but if you get there too early, he runs back inside. And you can't even inflict a second of damage to him. And then he'll just go to another one. And then you have to wait long enough to where he can wind up his attack, try and block or parry his attack, and then go and swing at him. Mm. And for some reason, when I swing at him, you do very little damage. But when you use that rod attack, it took off over half of his health. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So like it's one of those moments. I, I know those moments where you're like, I, this is the moment I put the game down if this is not fixed in five seconds. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> and again, it, it, like again, you come from God of War Ragnarok, you know, AAA, big budget perfection to, you know, indie title trying to do the same thing. It's like the experience is very different. Uh, and then another thing, and you know, in God of War, you miss a parry, you block, right? And this, yeah, you have a block, but the enemies do so much damage to your block that you can, if you miss two parries and just hold block, your shield's gone and they'll knock you down. So Sounds like Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the game is very, very heavy on this parry mechanic. Um, and if not, like I said, you they these enemies fuck you up. Like, they hurt you a lot. Um, which is why I'm not going to go for the platinum. Because right. I've, I've heard this hard mode is like, not just a little, it's like extra fucking hard. Yeah, so. to get this platinum, you have to beat the game on master difficulty and that'll just not happen. Yeah. Um, but it is very fun. Um, I, I'm enjoying it so far. You know, I, like I said, I was frustrated with this God of War similarities at the beginning and that boss fight really stuck, you know, stuck in my brain. I was pretty upset about that. But as I've been playing more and more of the game, I've been really, really liking it. Um, and if it wasn't for another game coming, <laughs> I'd probably be still playing it. But I still plan on finishing this. Uh, yeah. I, I want to see it through and uh, get the get see what it, see see where it goes. Even though the story is kind of forgettable, it's just you know. But it's, it's been fun. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like it's a very good first outing for a team. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and this Ember Labs was before they were a, ga a game developer. They were an a just an animation studio. I said uh, that. Joe. Actually, f oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was looking at pancake hats. <laughs> the pancake hats were so cute. So yeah, so you know, they obviously know what they're doing there. Um, but uh, yeah, I wonder if this is a team that Sony can, you know, look at and be like, hmm, maybe this is some 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 niche team we could maybe fit into our portfolio in some way you know if they if they do want to have like a team that can like work you know with the in the more family friendly space or you know it seems like they have kind of like a mixture of family friendly and like hardcore combat style things so you know i i i think it's a team to look at and uh did can it won indie game of the year last year didn't it at the game awards that is a good question i think it did I don't know. but um yeah i'd be curious you know curious if sony continues this relationship or if this is like maybe just 
you know, they were looking for Sony to kind of fund their first project and, and get in the door a little bit, and now they're looking to, you know, expand. But uh, um, it's cool to see that, that they had success. Yeah, and to that portfolio thing you mentioned, the only thing I don't like about that idea is that they're doing what Sony does best. <laughs> you know, it is a right. God of War. It's not filling a need. Like, like Sony needs a good first-person shooter. Sony needs unique experiences. Ember Lab is emulating what they do best. So I don't don't think I would want it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It'd be interesting, like, them in, like, a support studio capacity. Like, yeah, we can obviously make gorgeous shit. So, you know, hey, we'll work with Pixel Opus and, you know, handle that side of thing while they work on game design or something. But, hey, you know, that's probably not ever going to happen, but just a thought. And yeah, it was indie game of the year last year. It was, and I thought so. In debut indie game, that's yeah. that's interesting. That Sony's Sony got that twice in a yeah, row. Yeah, twice. <laughs> Just from from second party relationships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously they wouldn't get debut or any of the, either of those, but yeah. yeah. So, cool. so yeah, it's, it's a cool game. It has not appeared on any service yet. Like it hasn't been an essential game. It hasn't been. Yeah, I feel uh, like that's close. Yeah. It, right. <laughs> it's, I feel like that's close. I, I was waiting for it to be in the December list because I had just bought a physical mm-hmm. copy of it. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, that game's probably coming. So, uh, if it does, definitely check it out. If you uh, if you like, you know, like I said, God of War Ragnarok, I think this is a nice uh, adjacent game to it. Speaking of God of War Ragnarok, yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, transitions. Um, I finished it, folks. So we're uh, Nick. You ready to talk some some Kratos and get into this whole story? Yep. So big fat spoiler warning: yep. everything is on the table now. So if you are still in the midst of God of War, stop now and come back later. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spoil every inch of this game now. So um, <clears throat> you know, playing through this game, I, I got to admit. At the start of it, I was I was enjoying it, but I was a little let down. Not because it was anything worse than 2018. Not because uh, for, for any reason. I just maybe maybe it was my mental state in the time. I don't know. I fucking love this game. <laughs> I, after beating it, it 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 just kept getting better and better and better, and it really did exceed my expectations. Um, you know, I, I knew that. I knew that it was going to be good, but much like The Last of Us Part Two, you, you, I don't know how these developers do it, man. How they they <laughs> look at what they've made in the past and be like, we got to exceed that. And and they and Sony Santa Monica did that here. The story is so heartfelt. The moments are so grandiose and like really took a lot of the feedback I think from people's main criticism of the 2018, which is my main criticism as well, which was just web or um, enemy variety and and you know that typical God of War grandioseness that we got so used to in the original. And they <laughs> and they did that, man. And they did it in spades. And they get, they delivered another banger of a story, made you care. I teared up and cried a couple times. There's a lot of a lot of father son things, which you know. So if you're a parent, it adds an extra element to it. But what a game, man! I I still have not made up my mind on what my game of the year is yet. <laughs> I, I have to spend some more time with uh, with uh, Elden Ring, I think, but. Uh, yeah, I you know might as well get into it, but I just want to give my my forty thousand foot view of this game. It's um, it's a ten out of ten. I don't, I I think every praise is justified, and um, you know this is why I play on PlayStation. <laughs> this is why we're here. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's I think that's why we question what game. Is, that's why I hope 
that the game of the year at the Game Awards could have gone to Ragnarok. Yeah. Because um, as we left off, John had just gotten to like where I think the game really picks up and just lays the pedal down. Yep. Like it's just nonstop. And and from where John's at to was the last time we talked about it on the show, and then to the end of the game, it's just it's incredible. There's just nothing like it. Like 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 Donkey said in his review, God damn. <laughs> God like damn. fuck. Like this is just a, an amazing game that again like can dethroned Red Dead in 2018 and could have dethroned Elden Ring and I don't think anyone could argue like you know it was neck and neck for both those games and uh, yeah kudos to Sony Santa Monica again a game made during COVID a game that had to follow up probably one of the best game on PlayStation 4 and they did it mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into the details here but Whew. Yeah, <laughs> trying to. Sorry, I'm just trying to get my notes to where um, where so, we left off. So last time on the show, John had just met Heimdall. He had visited Asgard with as Atreus, and uh, he That's was right. He was back as and then Kratos. that knife transition. For, uh, no, I, okay, it's coming uh, yeah, back to me now. He was back as Kratos, who, if I remember correct, wants to look into their fate. Yes, he wants to look into their fate and he wants to basically figure out where Atreus has gone. And so uh, there's these characters in the Norse mythology that play a very similar role to the fates um, that I think a lot of people are used to. And those are called the Norns. Um, And so it's a trio of witches um, that live... I think they live in this like deep well or something like the Well of Erd, I believe it's called. Um, And so Freya and Kratos go visit them and... uh, you know, and basically have some of the best, I think, exchanges in the game. You know, these are these, I, I kind of wish these guys were more in the game. The, Nor- yes. the Norns were pretty great. You know, they were obviously they see the future, so they know everything, right? They and, and they, I feel like they let you know it. Where basically they're like finishing Kratos's thoughts and like you know just kind of being being really mean to him, but in a funny way. You know, <laughs> yeah. where they're like, oh, you still kill gods, but now you feel bad about it. And just like kind of really let him have it. But um, you know, he finds out that with these people. Um, that Heimdall will kill Atreus and that Ragnarok will begin. Um, That's what they tell him. So at that point, you know, they kind of, I think, yeah, like you just said, Nick, know what the track for the rest of the game is, know what needs to be happened. Obviously, it's the title of the game. We all knew it was going to get there. But this is kind of that first moment in the story um, where like, okay, guys, we're on the path to Ragnarok now. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to bring up it is also cool how you get to the Norns where you ride Kelpie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a horse that can just go underwater like a submarine. A seahorse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, just a cool moment as you ride this thing into their into their domain and then ride out. Uh, and as you mentioned, it, it is a bummer because they are just very interesting characters. Um I feel like have. a previous Kratos would have killed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not great to have around as uh, things that can foresee the future. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they put Kratos on a path to get a weapon that can defeat Heimdall because, as we mentioned last time we talked about God of War Ragnarok, uh, Heimdall can see people's intentions. Yeah. So it makes him a very hard person to fight, um, as we'll get into. Uh, so Kratos sets off. Uh, to get a weapon. Yep, and so he, 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 him and Brock, 
um, go on a little adventure together. They need to go visit somebody called named the Lady, mm-hmm. and she's this mermaid, you know, magical creature that has the ability to take this ring called Dropnir, which seems to have like the ability to replicate things or at least replicate itself. And she's able to craft a spear for Kratos, which I did not see coming. You know, I, <laughs> I, I knew that there'd be a third weapon, and you know, we'll. I thought it was going to be a different weapon, um, <laughs> but it was, you know, a very, this is, this is probably like the, the best weapon I've used this year. It's very similar to when you first pick up the Leviathan axe, you're like, oh my God, this just feels great. You know, where it's this spear that you can just throw infinite amounts of them. You have an ability where you hit triangle and then the spears you've thrown explode. So you can kind of like, you know, poke, poke them in a bunch of enemies, hit triangle. They all pop off at the same time or, you know, like one after another in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very satisfying. And like also, I, I think it's kind of cool that Kratos being a Spartan, Spartans use spears. It just seems yeah. natural. Yeah. Um, so it was a good, I think, choice for a weapon for him. Yeah, it uses uh, wind abilities, so a lot of it can create like little mini tornadoes. A lot of its abilities have to deal with wind. Um, I love uh, one of the runic attacks where he throws it in the air and like a million of them land on the ground, and then you get triangle and all of them explode. This is very satisfying. Uh, it also has the ability to like one of the runic attacks, like it'll steal the essence of characters, so you'll mm-hmm. do whatever they attack with. So if it's like acid or fire or ice or whatever Bifrost yeah Bifrost yeah it steals those attacks Uh, just an overall cool weapon and it was the missing piece of the puzzle as far as traversal like you had asked about (laughs) the holes with the wind spinning out or these little yellow rocks with yellow markers on them Uh, you can throw the spear in the holes and then you can use it to platform and then you can very satisfying throw it into rocks hit triangle and it just spins into the rock like a like a drill bit and just destroys it mm-hmm. uh just again yeah it's, it may not be mimir but uh definitely an awesome weapon and something yeah we didn't see coming and yeah the, the weapon designer slash combat p- team at sony santa monica man that might be <laughs> the most talented team at that studio i mean you know it, it, they're all incredible the narrative team everything but um, just they have a way with making weapons. Just I, I the entire game, I never was like I don't know, I'll just use whichever one I'm feeling in the moment. Like the blades are great, the axe is great, the spear is great. It doesn't matter. Like and that's why it was kind of nice compared to Forspoken, like that you could just do whatever abilities you want with any of these weapons, upgrade all them, and it just was kind of like this extra little meta game that that I was invested in. So. Um, so yeah, so you you do that, and then I just I do want to touch on one story thing about that sure. moment is that this is oh, where Brock. we learn about Brock, and that Brock has died before. And you learned that earlier, but this is like the first time it's yeah, it's it actually me, yeah that it actually is gonna it's gonna mean something later as we'll get to. Yep. And this is where Sindri lets you know that. A, that he only was able to get three-fourths of his soul, which I don't know why that's a thing, but yeah. sure. He only got three-fourths of his soul, and then Brock realizes this when uh, he tries to communicate with the lady, and it's like the lady can't even see him because apparently she can see your soul. Yeah, because the entire time Sindri is like, Brock, you can't go. Don't go. I don't want you to go. Like, <laughs> I'll go instead. And he's like, no, no, I've never seen the lady. I, I got to see the lady. And you're kind of like, well, what, yeah, what does yeah. it matter? Um, but, uh, yeah. So so keep that in mind as 
again, if you're listening to this, you probably know. But if you're not, if you're not planning on playing the game, and you're listening anyway. Just keep that in mind. You're that'll a fool. come back later. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we wrap all that up with Kratos, and then we go back to Asgard, where Atreus is. And it's at this point that uh, Odin kind of tasks him with finding that last remaining mask piece. And so him and Thrud, Thor's daughter, uh, go on another little adventure to uh, Helheim. Um, where they need to find that piece. And this is where one of my favorite moments of the game happens. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the kind of one of the first moments where I could tell that Sony Santa Monica really re- is, was trying to recapture that large God of War feeling. Uh, you, you come across this giant wolf dog that's chained up. And Atreus being Atreus, he's an animal lover through and through, figures, well, no, I'll talk to him. Like, we'll figure this out. Let's free him and he can help us out. Well, the moment Atreus frees him, he fucking just takes off, you know, and he's like, oh, no, that's that's Garm, like, and who's Garm? He, oh, he tears open rifts and, like, you know, and basically just this horrible, horrible thing that he just let loose upon the realms. Um, and so it's kind of during this trip with Thrud that, you know, she gets super pissed off at him because she's trying to prove herself to Odin and to her family. And, you know, Atreus, like, kind of reassured her, like, no, I got this. I'll talk to him. And it just didn't work. And so and, she, she and gets super I think pissed. you forget that you also claim with Heimdall as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he goes off and does his own thing. <laughs> yeah, Heimdall is also there rubbing your nose in the mistake that you made. Uh, Throod is trying to fight him. And again, he sees intention, so that doesn't go well either. So Right. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, it's like this kind of sets up this moment where, like, okay, Atreus is, is overwhelmed. He's embarrassed. He... You know, feels like he really did fuck up, so he kind of goes to Odin once they once they come back. And they did get the mask piece, by the way, right? No, Mm-mm. they didn't. No, okay, that come that's coming later. Okay, so they get back to Asgard, and Loki basically tells Odin that, "Hey, man, I got I want to go home." And you kind of think that, like, well, maybe he's gonna make him make him stay and all this stuff. And he, you could tell he was kind of mad about it, but he's like, "No, if you gotta go, go." And so Atreus is able to go back to uh, to see uh, Kratos. And get re reunited with his daddy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, a, and a great moment, too, because it was like kind of like, you know, because he, he's still feeling bad about what he did. And, of course, when he comes back to Kratos, they're fighting a bunch of undead from Helheim because uh, Garm made a tear there at the at the tree. Yep. And, uh, and in a kind of a vulnerable moment, hugs his dad. Well, and his dad, you know, God, this 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 game has so many just powerful one-liners. He just, you know, it's this moment where Atreus walks through like a cloud of smoke, and you know, the camera's behind Kratos, and and you, you he comes in a frame, and Kratos just goes, "What do I call you?" And it's just like, oh man, that's like the per- <laughs> that's the perfect way to say it, like perfect line in that situation because like yeah, he says Loki, he's far from his dad. He says Atreus, he's you know, he's like, no, dad, I'm I'm ready to return, and so you know, very very good good line. Uh, in that moment but um, so yeah it's at this point that you know Atreus like tells Kratos and everybody what happened everybody gives him shit be like you fucking let Garm go you (laughs) you idiot and so um, they go off to to fight Garm to get it all under control Um, which this is this is kind of where like the favorite part of my game really comes into play because you have to fight Garm (laughs) <laughs> Which in and of itself is a great boss fight. It's a long. It's one of those long boss fights where you think you beat. You think you beat them. Yeah. You know where he, Kratos does. I think this crazy thing where he basically wraps his head or like with a giant chain pulls on. It looks like it you break his neck. 
doesn't kill him. You know, yeah. you start walking away. Garm comes back. You see him through this awesome shot where you're like kind of in a tunnel and his like head is poking through. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and you keep battling Garm, but you don't kill Garm, Nick. What happens? What happens to Garm? <laughs> oh well, Atreus asks you to trust him, and then this is kind of a great moment because Kratos, you know, eventually just is like, yeah, let's do what you want to do. Let's do your plan. And of course, through a bunch of little quick time events. Uh, you get Atreus on top of Garm, in which he plunges the dagger uh, into um, Garm and transfers the soul of Fenrir, which we mentioned in the very first time we talked about this game that that had to mean something. Mm-hmm, when Fenrir died at the beginning of the game, that we saw his soul kind of leave his body, and apparently Atreus unknowingly transferred it to his dagger and now put the soul just like he did with the snake uh, earlier in the game, he puts Fenrir's soul into Garm in an attempt to pacify Garm. And he does. It's amazing. Yeah, he does. Uh, Garm's evil eyes turn into these big brown soft eyes. It is great. Starts panting like a, like a good boy would. <laughs> brings his head down close. You start scratching his muzzle. Or, oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just a great moment of just uh, again, we're we're dog lovers here, so yeah. a, a giant Clifford size yeah, yeah. <laughs> dog is yeah. Clifford is the easiest way to put it. For sure. <laughs> it's just amazing. I think I think uh, Kratos tells him to go home, and of course he rips a tear in the wall and just goes yeah. home. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, and then that that adds into a plot point. You know, okay, now we have a quick way. You know, that will be a factor later in the game. <laughs> right. To you know, quick escapes, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, so after you get that situation under control, it's time to deal with Heimdall, right? And so. Um, Freyr was captured by some Aesir forces and abducted. And so Freya wants to obviously go figure out what's going on with her brother. So she takes off and does that. Meanwhile, you are going to fight Heimdall. And Kratos is trying so hard at this point to not go back to his old ways, you know, to to be better, as he likes to say quite often. And Heimdall is just the biggest shit. He just... He... He eggs, you know, and he knows it. that's the, the the interesting dynamic with him as a character. He knows everything, <laughs> like you know what Kratos is thinking, what his intentions are, everything like that. And so he probably knows that, like oh, I'm just gonna fucking get under this guy's skin. And you get to this point where I believe before you fight, right? You, you get to that point where he pins Heimdall down. Uh, no, well, you you fight, fight he's on he's on the mount first, and then you get him down. You knock him you off the mount. You kill the mount, and then you fight him one on one. And then yes, you pin him with a spear in his arm against the wall. And basically, and this is at this point that Kratos is like, "All right, I'm gonna be better. Yep. Don't fucking come near my son again. Yes, and I out. will let you go." <laughs> and and Heimdall, I don't remember exactly what he says. Something really <laughs> shitty. <laughs> To the point where, remember how I said that that spear, Nick, you can hit triangle and it explodes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he slams the spear down and his arm just explodes off. <laughs> just fucking bloody ex- explosions. I think there's like blood on his face. You know, awesome visceral moment. You know, to the and Kratos is like, I fucking told you, this is it. And, yeah. you know, Heimdall being a god just regrows his arm back. Yeah, and I think he gets mad because you're like feeling sorry for him. Yeah, he's like, he's like him yeah, or yeah, you. He's like, you pity me, and then he yeah, he gets angry and uses like his arm just turns his arm that's gone now turns into like pure bifrost. Yeah, it's like pure magic. Yep. 
And then the real fight, you know, goes on with Heimdall. But as you can expect, uh, Kratos is a being of vengeance, and that's just the curse <laughs> yeah. that he was dealt. So you get another very God of War moment, much like, I believe, the uh, Apollo fight in God of War 3, where you just have a pretty brutal killing. Um, <laughs> you choke out a very blood-soaked Heimdall while Mimir is staring you in the eyes as his head yeah. is just on the floor next to you and you just choke him out until his... And he's telling you off. not to do it. Yeah, telling you not to do it, but, like, I'm sure Kratos in that moment, you know, rage took over, he's thinking of his son, all these other emotions, and, yeah, he just chokes him out until Heimdall's dumb eyes go dull. And, yeah, uh, and yeah and that was kind of, like, a big, you know... I think Atreus, or not Atreus, uh, Kratos moment where he's like, all right, I know I don't want to do this, but sometimes you just have to. And I, and that that is, you know, one of the themes of the whole game. Yeah. But, um, so I believe now Atreus has the mask, right? Because they go back to, I don't know where he gets the rest <laughs> of the mask, but they go so, back to Sindri's house now. Well, so, yeah, you get, the, you get the boat fight where you're flying on the boat. Oh, right. Um, and then they are kind of out of ideas at this point. And then Atreus pitches the idea to go back to Asgard uh, to finish the mask, mm-hmm. to get it to finish it. So you go there, uh, you have to get Thor out of a bar with Thrude. Thor, again, has issues as, as a common theme here. Not only is his dad Odin shitty to him, but also, you know, Kratos killed his 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 kids in the last game, so Thor's a big old drunk. Thru doesn't like it. Uh, it's a fun little bar fight scene where you're kind of like running around and avoiding things. Uh, you have the sword again, Ingrid, and Ingrid and Mimir are fighting in the air, one on one by themselves while you're fighting all these guys. Um, and then yeah, you go to Nilfheim. Uh, to get the final piece of the mask. Um, and this is when you do so, this is when you are confronted. Uh, Sift tells Odin. Not Sift. Sif. <laughs> Sif. S-I-F. Uh, confronts Odin and you, uh, Atreus, the player, uh, about killing Heimdall and that, uh, that this is no good. Um, and this is where you go back to the house, finally, because... Okay. I, I guess we didn't mention Sindri gives you like a, a get out of jail card. Like when you're in trouble, throw this on the ground, say this word, you go back to the house. So yeah. Atreus in, in that moment takes the mask, uses it, and now you are back at the house. Sorry, and I also want to mo- mention because I'm, I'm reading my notes. There's a you come across a giant crow, and that's amazing. Like I, again, <laughs> just I love giant creatures in this game, and so you come across a, a world serpent style crow. I believe his name's Race Velgar. Super cool. Just wanted to mention that yeah. again. I love just a sense of scale in things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get back to Sindri's house, and you know probably the biggest twist in the entire game uh, happens here. And so you're you're kind of going over what we need to do, what the plan is, and Tyr, who has been avoiding combat and fighting the entire fucking game. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's kind of like, oh, we got the mask pieces. This is my purpose. My purpose is to lead the army. You know, kind of what Atreus has been trying to tell him. Be like, we have your picture here. Like, you lead the army. He's like, okay, here's my purpose. And, and you know, all of a sudden, it's like, I'm all about this. Let's go back to Asgard. I'll do this. And the only person in the room who's like, this doesn't, like, what do you mean, was Brock. 
you know, Brock just kind of called him real quick. And like, at first it was w- really well done. Cause at first I thought Brock was just being, you know, he's, he's an abrasive person. Yeah. He uses, <laughs> he uses bad language and he, he's not afraid to speak his mind. So I thought he was just kind of being silly and just being Brock, but he kept going on with it. And to the point where Tyr is kind of walking away from him and just turns around and stabs him. Yeah. I'm like, why, you know, why did you do that? Is Tyr a bad person? Well, come to find out. Apparently, this entire time, <laughs> from the moment you rescued Tyr in the dungeon, has been Odin. Yeah. He has been shapeshifted to look like Tyr, to basically be an enemy behind enemy lines, and uh, yeah, hiding in plain sight the entire time. Um, which, you know, obviously it was a big fucking moment. You know, we see a main character, maybe not a main character, but a big character who's been a party this whole journey with us die. Um, and know full well that we have to, you know, kill Odin now. Like, that's what we yeah. have to fucking do. You know, yeah. he's, a, he's a piece of shit. We need to get Ragnarok <laughs> going because we know that Ragnarok, the, the whole prophecy is that, you know, we can basically eliminate Asgard and save the rest of the realm. So, you know, it's, it's definitely their entire motivation and everything right now uh, to do that. Um, but, yeah, Odin tries to escape with the mask. He actually doesn't, doesn't leave with the mask. He leaves it behind. Um, and Brock, unfortunately, dies in Sindri's arms. Um, and now they need to basically start recruiting, you know, because they need they need an army, right? They can't yeah. just walk into Asgard with the seven of them and be like, we got those guys, <laughs> even though Kratos would probably somehow win. Yeah. Um, so they send kind of everybody off to go recruit some some. One thing soldiers. I do want to mention, though, is Sindri. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Because he is a mess at this point. Um like like visibly a mess and I forget what his is one of the best fucks in the game but I forget what he exactly says I feel like I can get this <laughs> because uh, uh, you go and visit him to check on him to see how he's doing uh, before before you make this decision to raise an army and uh, yeah he is a fucking mess like the the, the funny Sindri <laughs> the clips that we've played on this show that you've heard where cobblestones have mouth mouse would be disgusting you know that that fun yeah. Sindri is no fun anymore and he is is super upset super serious and he's just man he's something Atreus goes back to apologize and you know just kind of try to be a human about it and I only wrote down this part but yeah Sindri basically says to him get the fuck out of my sight <laughs> yeah. which is like oh my oh man um, man I wish I read, read a lot of my notes I forgot about yeah like man a lot of like Thor going full psycho on Trace, all this stuff. I know you mentioned it a little bit, but yeah. All right, so yeah, so um, yeah, get out, get the fuck out of my sight. And so you're like, okay, Sindri just is out. He is so like I I, I thought at this point, I'd be like, am I not going to be able to upgrade my weapons for the rest of the game? <laughs> because like Brock's dead, he doesn't give a fuck. But like luckily, their their little their little friend helps. Out, Lunda, Lunda, yeah. Um, but yeah, one little thing about that too that I did find kind of funny was. You know, right after Odin stabs Brock, <laughs> Atreus is like, I can't do this anymore. I need to go away. I have to go hunting. <laughs> and you, you literally, like, leave everybody. You're like, I'm not doing this anymore. This is too hard. And you go to Midgar for, like, it felt like 40 seconds. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I have to hunt. And, like, okay. And you go hunt, and they're like, no, nah, I have to go back to my friends. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just thought it was a really it was it was a weird pacing and it probably a, one of the very few little stumbles. Yeah, you're just what? Like, this could have been just eliminated. Entirely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It could have been written a lot better. Uh, but yeah, then this gets us into the big raise an army. Hopefully, all these armies show up when we go to fight uh, in Asgard. Uh, Freya gets the Valkyries. We see we see Sigrun. 
You know, our old friend from God of War 2018 that was a pain in the fucking ass to beat. Mm-hmm. She's She is on your side with the Valkyries. Uh, Sindri goes to recruit the dwarves. Uh, Freyr gets uh, the elves from Alfine. Which is a little bit of... I mean, I, I like that they explain that later. <laughs> but, I, you know, this is a, a, a species that's been at war with one another for like 200 years. <laughs> like, hey, we need you to fight Odin. All right. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of explain it later, like that Freyr was like the very first outsider to come to Alfheim. And so yeah. they kind of view him as this... I like, think you get more context if you've done all the Alfheim side quests. That probably there, there, Yeah, there's a lot more of uh, how <laughs> important Freyr was to... To Alfine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so you're kind of you meet at Tyr's Temple, the portal to all the realms in the first game. Uh, and Kratos gives a you know a great speech. I think this is where he goes back on his famous line uh, that we also featured on this podcast about um, close your heart. Uh, I forget the exact line, close your close heart. Close your heart to, to their suffering. Close your like close your heart to their pain. Close your heart to their suffering. Yeah. I don't know if it's that mo- this moment that he says it, because I know it was, maybe it was, because he had that extra dream with Faye. Yes. And yes. and basically, that's kind of where he says it to her. She says it to him, sorry. And uh, yeah, spins it back around to Atreus. Yeah. I always love that. I love recalling quotes and like <laughs> twisting. Because there's a, there's a moment too earlier where like, Atre- I think Kratos was really down and Atreus kind of had to pick him up and he said, don't worry, father. Don't be sorry. Be better. Like it just is like chippy, you know, like, hey, it's yeah. going to be okay. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And there were, yeah, there was another one where he confessed to Atreus because they didn't want to kill Heimdall, but, you know, Kratos did and he had to show it to Atreus. He had to come clean, obviously. And uh, I forget what he. I, I, we looked it up, and I forget it. But it was like it was not because it was uh, fate, because it was necessary, or along those I'm, lines. I'm sorry, you're talking about the the Brock line. I'm sorry. No, the Atreus line to Kratos oh. when he shows him the horn of Galahorn. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, you're right, though, on the fate thing. It was because the dream happened right before, and she said, "The culmination of love is grief." We open our hearts to it, which I think is actually a pretty. That's a pretty powerful line. That's yeah. that's really yes, good. yes. The call, yeah. So we open our hearts to it. Um, Kratos said, close your heart to their suffering uh, and grief in the first game. So, you know, I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, he's going to say it again. And he did. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, yeah, you, you have that general speech. The music is, is so good. Like, and then right after that speech, right, is when you storm into Asgard. Yes. Right. And so the music's playing, shit's exploding. <laughs> Literally the snake that you, in, you know, instilled with the, the spirit earlier that was growing at a, at a huge rate. He's fucking fighting Thor. <laughs> you know, Thor's flying around fighting that guy. The God of War theme is like playing in the background kind of slowly like it never has in the game before. And you're just running through. Obviously, your blood's pumping. Oh, we missed the Surtur part. We didn't talk about Surtur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't talk about Surtur. Got to talk about Surtur. Sorry, put a pin in that, guys. So... You know, Surtur, for those who have seen Thor Ragnarok, you know that he's kind of like the linchpin for Ragnarok. He's yeah, like he the one that it. he triggers it. So they have to go to Surtur and get, I know, sorry. I can't believe we forgot this Yeah, part. I know. We knew that. <laughs> you knew this would happen. Um, where they go, they go to Muspelheim uh, and go get Surtur and basically get him to help them. And so they, it's a really cool scene, like everything else is in this game, where they walk up to him. He's like a blacksmith. Kind of not what I was expecting, but, you know, he's like, hey, Surtur, we need your help. And he just goes, no. And just, like, <laughs> flicks his finger, and they go flying across the across the uh, the map. And to this point, we're like, oh, my God, how powerful is this guy? Um, and you have to fight a frost thing or, like, a, one of those um, relic beast yeah. things or whatever. You know, you beat, the, you beat that, and you go back and, and basically, like, dude, we need your help. He's like, no, I don't want to help you. Like, why not? I just don't want to. 
Okay, and like you find out that he has this relationship with, you know, his his lover. I don't know what you would kind of call their yeah. relationship, but it's like, no, I don't want to do that because if I do that, she dies. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and so you have to you have to convince him, and uh, I don't really remember what. <laughs> you the, don't really have to get too much into the details. You, I mean, you convince him to help him. Yeah, he has a way to help you that doesn't involve sacrificing his. His, his wife, but what it leads to is probably one of the most satisfying boss fights in the game, where you and Atreus have to fight two Valkyries. You saw them earlier in the game in Asgard. Um, uh, you and Atreus fight them together, and, uh, and it's a typical Valkyrie fight, as in the 2018 games, uh, but what it ends on is probably one of the coolest moments in the whole game. Uh, where they're they're beat you get their health down and of course they're beating you up you know they're beating you they got like Atreus down they got you down and then this is where you go into Spartan rage but not you not only do you go into Spartan rage Atreus goes into fucking bear mode mm -hmm. and it's just a cool moment it's one of those God of War fucking moments where it's like fuck you fuck this boss fuck both of you I'm gonna watch Atreus and Kratos just tear you apart and it is probably one of the most satisfying moments in the game of like them fighting together at like full steam in sequence just kicking their kicking their ass and just again ends in a cool shot of Kratos and Atreus as a bear uh, mm. it's awesome yeah yeah it's, it's it's you know if you were to like take a screenshot of any moment in the game it, it would be high on the list of like one of those cool moments oh you it's a trophy so you have the screen yeah for sure <laughs> for sure all right so now we can get back to again another god of war like this reminds me of the beginning of god of war 3 like just like on this the scale of like Every, all this stuff's happening in the background. You, you, it's like almost too much. Fenrir's there with Anger Boda. They're fighting. He, he bites a dragon and like throws <laughs> the dragon with his mouth. Surtur is massive in the background, yep. just lurking like a big giant. You know, I don't know, bringer of doom. I don't know how else he would say that. Yeah, and it's just you know, it really felt like the culmination of this you know long story arc that we've been on for 80, 80 hours now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you kind of get to the end of this this charging of Asgard, and the fight that we all knew was going to come, we all knew it was going to have to happen again at some point. You know, as you you fight Thor for the second time. There, there's one thing I want to say before we get that, and that is a lot, folks. Nick Nick knows, Nick's better at this than I am. Be, well, because I because it's going to come up later yep. is that Sindri arrives without the dwarves. Oh yeah. And Sindri again is still being a huge piece of shit. He doesn't want anyone else dying. Because of Atreus and Kratos, so he just comes by as lonesome and just again is a shitty person. Well, because so. Odin, so Odin has these like big like ballistas, right? That are like shooting like huge arrows at the the gates because they I think they figure if they can close the gates, they can stop these armies from coming. And so you know, Kratos is like we need to get these, we need to get them offline or whatever. And then Sindri just shows up and like hits a hammer and they explode. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll do this for you, but then I'm fucking peacing out. Hits the hammer, they all explode, so that you know crisis was saved. So he really didn't need to bring the dwarfs, but yeah, that was it. And he just <laughs> peaced out again, right? Yeah, yeah. He, well, yeah, he destroys the wall, and then you're able to get in, and then that leads to the Thor, the Thor fight again. Yeah. So, which, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have much to say about it. 
No, it's, Except it's kind for of a repeat. The, how it ends. Yeah, go ahead. You can, yeah, it's a repeat of the fight earlier in the game. It's not. There's nothing really great about it. Yeah, so you know, it's 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 again, it's another fight. Thor is like basically just belittling you while you fight him, and you know, eventually, as you would expect, Kratos comes out on top. But you know, he really wants to demonstrate that he is not the god killer that he once was. That he's he's going to let him go. Um, you know, to demonstrate he's not the ruthless god that he he was. And uh, Odin arrives. He's like, oh, hey, Dad, what's up? You know, would you come to help me? And uh, Odin fucking stabs Thor in the stomach with a spear and kills him, which (laughs) I did not see coming. Um, You know, I I thought, I kind of thought going into this fight that you would get through the second Thor fight. Something like that would have happened where I'm not going to kill you. And then they sort of team up together against Odin because Thor, throughout the whole game... Just wants his dad's approval. His dad's a bag of dicks to him. You know, hate like it just all this thing. So I thought I thought there would be a little. There were a lot of like seeds that. of doubt planted throughout. The, yeah. the story with Thor. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he kills Thor out of anger, and then uh, it's at that moment that uh, Atreus takes the mask that Odin wants so desperately, and he breaks it, uh, which then gets pulled into a realm tear and forever closes. Are, so, are you bummed that there is we don't know anything about what the mask was, yes. or, or what was in the tear? Yeah, I, there's a there's there's a few small pieces of story that I thought could have get, gotten fleshed out a little bit better. Um, that being one of them, you know, that's a big thing that we just really didn't learn much about at all. And then the other one is like, you know, when you first see that very first. Um, when you're with Anger Boda and you go into the shrine and you see that first prediction where like Kratos is like dead. He's like yeah. in, in a trace of his yeah. arms. I thought there has to be a moment in that game that that happens. That he's, he might not be dead, but he's, he's being yeah. held in it. will be so recreated. I, I, I was kind of surprised that, to not see that either. Yeah. Um, but again, minor things, right? Yeah. Minor things. So, um, so yeah. I mean, so at this point, you know, we got to take on the big bad, right? Got to, yeah. got to, got to beat Odin. And so Freya, Atreus, and Kratos all take on Odin. Um, again, I don't, you know, that might have be a small thing with the game that I thought maybe could have been a little bit better. As you would think, you would think the final fight would be a little more memorable. Um, you know, but at the same time, unless if Odin transforms into a gigantic version of himself or something, like what can you really do? It's Rita Repulsa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they they kind of defeat they they defeat him, but not in the way you'd expect, right? You know, mm-hmm. they kind of what what's the power we we know Atreus can do? He can transfer souls into these you know basically transfer souls and from earlier in the game Anger Boda shows Atreus these little balls that can capture souls, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think kind of in theme of like we must be better, we we can't be, you know, killers like we were in the past. Atreus decides that he's going to get Odin's soul into this little ball and keep it there. And you're like, "Okay, well that's that's kind of satisfying. It's a neat cool way to do it." Uh, our boy Sindri wasn't about to have it. Well, he gives it to Kratos, who then gives it to Freya to make the choice. Like, Freya obviously does not like Odin at all either. And Freya turns it down, too, to, to kill it. And then, yeah, as as you mentioned. <laughs> Sindri shows up, grabs it, puts it on a table, smashes it with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even have any doubt. Was like, no, this is what's happening. I need my revenge. Yep. And then he's still fucked off. <laughs> I yeah. think even after that, he's like, nah, all right, I'm still going to go me- be mopey, but, um, you yeah. know, that's fine. And then, uh, yeah, and then so, you know, obviously we got to escape Asgard now. Yeah, because uh, Surtur's going to destroy it. Yeah, Surtur's about to explode <laughs> everything. And so, um, uh, yeah, you kind of have this little scramble to get out. And um, 
Yeah. You know, Nick, I'll kind of probably let you take the ending of this. <laughs> yeah. Better explain uh, it. Yep. Fenrir gets you out. Remember, as we mentioned, he can tear, uh, tear through realms. So he just creates a portal and they leave. Uh, Freyr does die at this moment. He sacrifices himself to save you. That's not a not a big deal, really. It didn't hit it very hard for me. I was like, all right, he's gone. Uh, you wake up as Atreus. Uh, you have this nice little moment where you kind of walk around and see all the characters and check on them. Sif and Throot are okay. Um, Freyr's little ragtag band of characters is okay. Uh, and then you go, uh, Freya is okay. And then you go see Kratos. And I forget what they say to each other. Uh, I don't think this is not the memorable part uh, because uh, Anger Boda shows up and she's like, I got something to show you. Yeah. And this is where they take you to the top of the mountain in Midgard. And she has like one last mural to show you. I don't remember what is on the mural. Yeah. So I'm, I'm reading. Right oh, now. yeah. It was it was um, so, had to do with Faye. Yeah. So it says this painting reveals that Faye destroyed the mural in Jotunheim so that Kratos and Atreus would not know the fate of the giant, not know the fate the giants wanted for them. In doing so, she enabled them to choose their own destiny. Uh, then Atreus tells Kratos that he must go on a journey alone, blah, 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 find the other giants. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically they find out that, you know, they, they were... They they were to make their own destiny, and um, this this and then the, at this moment, um, you know, was was one of the hardest hitting moments for me. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a dad, <laughs> so like you know, we all as parents have to grapple with the idea of our kids, you know, going off on their own one day. Which I'll tell you, I I got a five year old and a one year old, two one year old girls. Like it's terrifying. I can't even <laughs> imagine, but it happens, and. So Atreus needs to go on this journey. He needs to prove it to himself, to his dad, to everybody. And Kratos says, you know, finally after just sheltering him and, and you know, not caring about anything but keeping Atreus safe, he says, Loki can go, Atreus stays here, and he kind of, like, pats his heart. And, like, that's just such a, again, <laughs> that's, like, the perfect thing you can say in that situation, um, you know, where he, you can, you can just feel the love between the two of them yeah. and, uh, you know, and and I think that's what separates this in this re reboot of God of War, the God of War franchise, from the 2018 version to this one. It really just this emotional transformation of Kratos is just almost almost unimaginable. If you were to tell me before <laughs> that that game came out, like where it could go, and, and to do it so beautifully and, and flawlessly. Um, it's funny that you say that because the, to continue this scene after Atreus leaves. Kratos sees the other side of the mural, and it's on this side of the mural that uh, Kratos sees a, a fate where he's kind of like a big statue, and people are worshiping him. And was, I think he says, "I don't even think this was possible." Yeah, he Kratos finally gets the happy ending he, he <laughs> deserves, and and you know the peace that he's been you know looking for since. You know, for fans of the series, since the very first opening of the first game, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he's standing on the towers of cli of wherever or the cliffs, and he's like, "The gods have forsaken me," and he jumps <laughs> to his death because he just he's done with it. Yeah, he doesn't want he he doesn't care about living. He's just tired of the bullshit of life, and and to see that journey kind of come to an end where like he he you know um, just did what he needed to do to find peace and be happy is is awesome yeah. you know that's the end of a 17 year journey for me at least you know I've played all the mainline ones and uh, yeah 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 Christopher Judge kills it as we as he won last week well deservingly like all these all these scenes and 
you know, I know we kind of we kind of and this is this is going really long, but we we I know we cut out a lot, but like seeing the the journey of their relationship between Atreus and Kratos, between Kratos being the overprotective dad to learning to trust him, and 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 Atreus doubting his dad's plan for the future of Ragnarok and all this and all this stuff, and then. Atreus trusting his dad's choices and learning and growing and this all happening mm-hmm. in this epic story it's just amazing it's just it's unbelievable I mean gosh yeah I uh yeah I not giving this game game of the year I just I, it's such a weird thing to even think about but it yeah it truly is so special and um yeah man I'm I'm both I both think it's the right decision and I'm heartbroken that this is the end we'll see of at least the Norse saga <laughs> like I, th- I think it was the right decision you know um, so yeah well, well again we kind of have some theories and yeah. a lot of theories involve the, the plots that are still left open A um, Sindri being a piece of shit yep. and, and as we just talked about the mask so that just made me think of it too is and, and Atreus going on his own. Atreus was a playable character in this game. Mm-hmm. And we kind of got this half sequel in Spider-Man Miles Morales. Do we see a half sequel, uh, God of War 2.5, that stars Atreus and covers him finding the giants? Maybe we learn more about the mask. Maybe we, we get that that resolution with Sindri. Yeah, I um, yeah, we we you know when we talked about it the other day, I think it, I think it makes a ton of sense, and I think that it is is very likely. You know, this is Sony's, you know, famously J- Sean Layden, the person in charge before Jim Ryan, said that games are just becoming too expensive to make; they take too long to make. And so I think at that moment is when we saw this Sony initiative to make these smaller experiences, eight eight hour experiences but with the same polish that you get from these huge games. And so, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like, they already have the groundwork for Atreus. Like, why not develop a story that makes sense? I will say, though, I think my gut tells me it won't happen. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't have any answer for you, for you there. I just, I feel like... I feel like they want the Santa Monica team to move forward in in bigger ways. Not that this wouldn't be huge if they made it, but, you know, Corey Barlog has already been kind of, like, a little out in the open with, like, he's making some sort of space game, right? That, so that that seems to be... It's never been confirmed or anything, but right. it seems to be the direction that they want to go. And I think that... I don't... Because I think the question that has to be answered is, you know, if you're Jim Ryan, what do you do with this franchise? Do we take a break... And do we go into, you know, take a break and come back in 10 years where, okay, Kratos is in Egypt or a different mythology? Or do we just start working on something from now because games take five to six years to make and mm-hmm. have the, another thing there? Because, you know, as we've discussed on the show, this this is the fastest selling Sony exclusive ever. It makes them money. Businesses are here to make money. So if they're in the making money game, <laughs> which they are, like, you know, you'd think you'd want to move forward with that. But And one more know. thing on top of that. Is we are not going to talk about it here, but Amazon is making a God of War television show. Yep. So God of War is here to stay for a little bit in the mindset. So yeah, but it's interesting. A, a but game like, tie-in with, with, I mean, that cross promotion, that cross synergy, mm-hmm. uh, we could very well see. Yeah. So 
Which I'm not happy about this initiative, but, you know, again, we'll save that for a different show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, because, you know, it would make sense. It would pair up nicely. But then, like, our, you know, Sony's every fucking property they own is getting some sort of cross media right now. And so do we just live in a land where they are just rinsing and recycling the same things because we need to feed in the TV shows which feed into the games which feed into the movies well, which feed into the games? Well, it's a little different. Like, this is not God of War 3. This is, you know, God of War 2 of the new trilogy. Yeah. So I, I think, like, we're not burnt out on these experiences. No. No. I, I and I, I, I guess all I'm saying is I'm, I'm down for more games. I don't want really the show. But, again, different <laughs> different time for a different different episode. But, okay. Um, yeah. I... Uh, if you're Jim Ryan, Nick, what would you do with God of War right now? <laughs> I would probably do what I'm saying, the God of War 2.5, uh, you know, a 10 to 15 hour experience. Do you do you just then staff up Santa Monica to have the right amount of people to have a like a B team kind of do that? I think they're already doing that. I think you, you I think that as you mentioned, game development's taking too long. Sony has has expertly navigated having multiple releases a year. And I think they do that with multiple teams. We see that with Insomniac releasing two different games six months from each other between Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I think Guerrilla Games, all of them are going to start doing this more. So, yeah. Um, But we'll see. Um, Two quick questions. Favorite boss fight? Garm. Yeah, Garm. Okay. I mean, it's between Garm and I can can, Gorilla. I can never remember, (laughs) you know, that giant... (laughs) <laughs> giant giant right yeah. um, you know pot fight lady that was just cool and weird and different but I think Garm just with the whole length of the fight the unexpected I killed him I didn't kill him thing and then putting the spirit of Fender into yeah. him it's just that it did take that one yeah that right. thing with that wolf whipping those giant chains at you yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah yeah, I, I would also honorable mention to Nidhogg is also a good Nidhogg was was dope. Yeah, it's a good call. All right, and then I know you have probably haven't done all of them, but what's your favorite side quest? So far, it's probably freeing the jellyfish. Okay, you know I really really like those guys. What are the, the halfle? What are they called? <laughs> I got I got I got the note, but yeah, uh, it's, I think you're in, it's Elfheim, right? Yeah, it's an Alfheim. It's yeah. Alfheim. You're in the desert. You know, you have, again, as I mentioned, I love giant creatures, and so you have these humongous jellyfish that are like trapped underground, and like they're like in these chains, and you kind of got to go free them. But then you find out that uh, you know they they have a partner, and like they have to mate, which is just weird. But um, you know, to allow their offspring to thrive or whatever the case. So yeah, you have to free two of these things. Once you do, they shoot up into the sky and start kind of like flying around and you know you free the other one and they start dancing I guess it's intercourse for, for giant jellyfish but you know they start doing this cool dancing thing and it's just yeah, 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 the sense of scale and, and all that stuff uh, but shout, shout out uh, to honorable mention to the giant whale one as well yeah so yeah that is my favorite one and that is freeing the lift bark it is what I mentioned in the, our first time we talked about it it is the uh it is the quest I wanted you to do so bad and you took so long to do it. I was so, cause like I said, like I, I do like the quest you're mentioning, but this quest was cool in a multiple ways. One is it changed the environment drastically because uh, once this whale comes up, he unlocks all these other platforms and you're jumping all over him, freeing him from its chains. Uh, it's just a very cool moment. And then it's also a very good story moment. Like a, one of the yeah. best side stories to the game where Mimir, who was responsible for capturing this whale, has to come to terms with what he did and that there's no easy fix to it. It is by far some of the best writing in the, the game and definitely 
my personal opinion, the best side quest. Half so. goofas, by the way. Yeah, half that's goof, right. Half goofas. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, and yeah. then just uh, one more thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can't stop. <laughs> let's let's, let's keep this podcast going for hours. Uh, what do you think of the Valkyrie equivalent, the Berserkers? <laughs> um, so it's hard. I guess I have to admit something right now, Nick. I don't want to, but I have been playing this game on the easiest difficulty for since I beat the game, right? <laughs> since I beat the campaign. So every time I fight these guys, they're simple, like it, right. Right. So, and, but like they also all look the same. Like they all are this. Like I don't get a lot of variety with them. I think it would have been cool maybe if like changed their sizes a little bit or, or something. There, there's I, you haven't done all of them yet, right? No. So there, I have nine there are twelve. Okay, so there are ones with like multiple yeah. berserkers at once. But yeah, I'm with you. They're just they're not as cool as the Valkyries were no. by any means. Uh, no, I feel like they could have done a better job probably reaching into some weird mythos or some weird creature. Everybody likes to fight creatures over humanoids, right? right. Like, it's just, you know, and so, like, even though Valkyries are humanoids, they have big fucking wings and all this other yeah. stuff. These are just guys that with armor and hammers or armors and swords and yeah. uh, they have some annoying mechanic to it. But, yeah, it's hard to say because, like, even, like, every single fight I've come across and, like, I feel kind of bad about it. But at the same time, I don't want to, I just, I want to get through this because, again, I want, I have so much to play. Um, been playing on yeah, just the easiest difficulty. Yeah, just don't, to, don't feel bad. I don't. I don't think you're taking away from no, your. Experience. I can hear Mark's frustration right now <laughs> and disappointment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of it. I think. I think unless you unless you got more to say. Anyway, I got 17 more things. To say. <laughs> no, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. No. It, uh, what a what a game. What a way to cap off the year. Yeah. Um, Again, I mean, just this is this is why we are PlayStation fans. Yeah. And. You know, as uh, as we mentioned last week, and you know, Microsoft not having dick anywhere, just <laughs> feel like I made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right, so song, John. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, you're you're great. Yeah. So last week, John got his announcement of the game of the game awards. A game he never thought was going to be uh, get a sequel to. One of his favorite games of all time. Hades 2 is coming. So, as you heard before this show, a Hades clip. And we're going to end on a Hades song. God of the Dead. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who did it? Darren Core. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this this song's a this is a nine minute song. So strap in, folks. It's just gonna make our podcast longer. But stick. Make sure you at least stick around to like maybe two or three minutes. That's when it really really picks up. It, it's you know it's yeah. uh, lots of heavy riffs and it's kind of like Doom music yeah. in a way. But Hades awesome, awesome is a stuff. perfect game and it has a perfect soundtrack. So great thing to end on. And so we get to our teases for next week. John and I are playing a game, and it is fucking awesome so far, and that game is Neon White. John got it as part of winning the Fantasy League. I had to make sure he got it. Yep. I've been playing it. We will definitely have thoughts on it. Yeah. Possible game of the year. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see if, if, <laughs> if it can keep uh, keep the pace up that it's doing right now and, and yeah, and somehow, somehow get better. I don't know. It's, it's another... I think I'm using the word perfect game too loosely lately, but it does it does what it set out to do very, very well. Yeah, it, it is pretty fantastic so far. We're very early on, but uh, other than that, we will announce our Game of the Year categories next week so you can participate and know what's coming. And, uh, and please remember if you uh, you know email us your your recaps or your wrap ups. Um, yep. You know we'd love to love to go through some of that stuff. So so it'll probably be a lot of games next week. I definitely want to hear some more Elden Ring. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I weirdly beat Gone Home also. Okay. I mean, yeah, it took me <laughs> an hour and a half. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's an old game, so I don't have much so, to say. But, so, know. yeah, we'll have some more games, and then, yeah, episode 29 will be Game of the Year, and we will do all of the 2022 recaps then. So, all right. Thanks for listening to this extra-long podcast. We appreciate all of you, and we will be back next week with six more things. Bye, guys. Mwah. Thank you.